right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. Solly here. We got the crew back together. Ryder Cup check-in. Can't believe it's been like three months, I think, since we did the last one, since I came home from Italy just whining and screaming about Marco Simone. There will be no whining and screaming on the rest of this show. Uh, TC is here to represent the European side. Hello, TC. Hello, Solly. It's, uh, you know what, you might do more whining and screaming because a lot's changed in the last three months. Oh, is the score still zero zero? I think it's probably a, a probably won't. I don't think a lot has changed. Maybe back Jamie to Weir's, zero zero because you already trying to butt in already. Yeah. Jamie Weir from Sky Sports. Hello, Jamie. Hello, everybody. Oh, I think a bit has changed. I think the European team's looking pretty nice and settled, and the US team's in total disarray. So I think that's what's changed. <laughs> Amen. But you know, Kyle Porter is here to help me stave off these two idiots on the bottom of our <laughs> screen. Hello, Kyle. Yeah, two idiots, four dads now. Congratulations, Solly. Uh, yeah, very, very exciting. I think uh, I don't think it is zero zero. I think the U.S. should still get a point carried over from whistling straights because of because of how egregious that score was. <laughs> you know what, Porter? I, I found myself like I'm like, why does this Ryder Cup feel different? Why do I not like have the same like yearning just to whoop <laughs> Europe's ass? I think it's the Poulter effect. They murdered him. He's done. He's, they put his head on a pike, <laughs> gets over. They, they got their Poulter revenge, 19-9. And I'm, I don't have the same, like, dude, I look at the European team. I'm like, like, I don't know how you feel about this, but, like, I kind of like Rory. Like, he seems like an okay guy. <laughs> like, Rom, I feel like I root for him every week. Hovland is becoming one of my favorite players. I don't have the same. It's not helping, like, be justify a, a loss in advance but i don't have the that's same actually a, that is a good question who is the focus of your ire and your animosity now in that european team? and you <laughs> okay that's good you. yeah but i'm glad to be of service i think yeah i think that's the reason we need tron over there so that so that it's easier because I can't, I can't dislike obviously tommy and fitzpatrick to add on to to those guys that, that you said i think one really interesting sort of Ryder cup like long arc subplot is how much more likable you could argue the European side is than the American side. And I don't think that's always been true, but it's certainly become true over the last, um, I don't know, six, eight, 10 years. And I think it will again, probably be, if you're just, if you don't have any allegiance at all, like if you're just a random, like, Hey, who should I root for in the Ryder cup? I'm from New Zealand. It, it seems like kind of an easy choice. <laughs> Welcome to the squad, guys. Are you from New Zealand? Are you from the United no, States? No, I just, of I just, I just like, like, I just like likable people, likable individuals. It's not like this has changed. I mean, I know Poulter is not on the team anymore, but like, it's not like this has changed all that much since Whistling Straits. Like, it was a far more likable team then. Anything we get into as far as setup goes, Whistling Straits was abysmal. So that, that was not well, a good go setup. Either. Let's do that right now. What was abysmal about it, Tron? You like that they played golf instead of just had the, the rough up to your knees? No, it was, it was a terrible spectator experience. It well, was, that's true. It was, uh, it was funny. I was out at Aaron Hills this week, and I'm like, why don't I have the Ryder Cup here? Like, this is It'll a proper golf course. Like, so much better. Uh, just the way that the par threes were set up, some of the – you know, like long and, and, irons and stuff. You'd rather it, be just like, you know, short irons and wedges. No, I mean like two, you know, 240, 250 yard par threes, that sort of thing. Big boy stuff. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think how many of the best par threes in the world are over two hundred yards? Though all the best par threes are, you know, twelfth exactly. at Augusta, postage stamp. They had exactly. a short par three. They had a, a, a was that twelve on the back nine there by the water. I forget. Bottom bottom line, Solly is it seems like you know I'm getting an awful lot of messages from people lately here saying that you you seem to be adopting the eye test now that it. Now that it suits <laughs> getting JT you've on the tried, team. You've tried to put this on me for way too long. Like you've tried to make it that I only look at the data that I print off the top 12 and those are my guys. How many times I, I have I've tried to deny it. I think, on Monday's pod, correct me if I'm wrong. On Monday's pod, you literally said like the data doesn't matter at all. I think pretty much I'm, you know, I don't think it's I'm paraphrasing there. It's a departure. In 2018, yeah. I was, I was reading off like, well, look at, I mean, look how much better the U.S. team is than Europe. And then like on that like on Friday afternoon, I was like, "Whoa, fuck, man!" Like, it's not about that. Like, it's not. All right, I've learned a lesson since 2018. I would say you want like you. It doesn't matter as much to me about having like a hot handover as it is the most talented guys, right? And the numbers do tell a story on that. I feel like we have enough. If you, I know you're going to JT straight on this, and I didn't want to start with this, but you brought this into it. Like, if you we have enough data on this to say like he's an extremely talented player playing, hey, yeah, below a level. That below a level that we even thought was possible. Right. So it, in this case, it's like, I, I don't I'm not ignoring the data. I'm like looking pretty deeper at the data to be like, dude, look at like what JT is capable of. And I, 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 the only point I thought, don't think I've made on like JT versus Glover to this point is if you flipped their ages, I think I would feel differently about it. If JT was a 43 year old playing horrifically, I'd be like, dude, it's probably time to move him to the so back. Now you're an ageist. Uh, to go ahead, I'll take that over being disloyal to the data or disloyal to the eye test. I'll be an ageist. That's totally fine. And if if Lucas Glover was a 30-year-old that was like showing an ascension like we've never seen before, I might feel differently about it. But like I dove into it this week. I tweeted some stats about it. Like, do you want to see the stats of 40-year-olds in the Ryder Cup, especially on the US side? Like going back to 99, they've won 35% of their matches. Like that's so bad. I don't know if that sounds horrible. That is, it's really hard to have a, a win rate that that's that's that low on this golf course as well, which we've already said is going to tire you out. That you know, basically being perched on a mountainside as well. And if you really like think a little deeper on it too, it's like, all right, what you're maximum playing Lucas Glover two team matches, right? He's not going out two sessions in a day. Like that's not going to happen, right? But JT might get relegated to that if he comes out and shows Friday morning that he's not in good form. Like, I don't think they send him back that afternoon. Maybe he sits all the way till singles, but you have a chance to get lightning in a bottle with him and you have a chance for him to go all five matches. And like, that's, that feels like an option you'd rather have with the 12th man than somebody who, you know, you're relying on just that, you know, has won a couple of tournaments recently. That's my thinking. Are we doing, are we, are we doing, are we doing the JT segment now? Or are we we forced it upon me? Yeah. Well, it's just solid. It's just good to see you back in, kind of a balanced outlook no yeah you did man you did and like it was it was very much it's not just the Ryder cup stuff it's the way you view pga tour golf and pro golf at large now it's good to see it's good to see the eye test have a place in your models again that's listen the strokes gain cabal is always we're always evolving tron we're all there's there's an evolution to the to the sg cabal so you know we're 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 making our way but it's funny, like some of the same statistical stuff as Sally's saying, like it's a similar thing to, you know, Scotty was the last guy on the team in 2021, right? And I think with that, it's like, all right, like if Ludwig's the last guy on the team, now you, you know, you get him on the team and then in two years, it looks obvious, right? In two years, it's like, oh man, like this was, this was obvious. There's not enough data for him, 
right now, but I'm using the same thing as you, Sally. It's like, he's a horse. He's played a bunch of match play. He's, he's someone that, that I have total confidence in worst case scenario. He goes out and plays exceptionally well in alt shot and they want to, they want to hide Worst him. case scenario. <laughs> For sure. But like basically similar thing as what you just said with, with like JT, I it's see. like, Hey, like there's yeah. just because like, like I, I think those guys are somewhat comparable of like JT doesn't like he's got the statistical sample size in his past to suggest, Hey, I'm a highly talented player. Ludwig doesn't have that statistical sample size, but he's got, the eye test saying basically saying the same thing of hey he's highly talented he's the future um like i i think they're both good dice rolls you know for sure uh, an interesting question that was posed uh was some a lot of people have been texting me arguing me about this but like you know what question i'm not prepared to answer total hypothetical if it was jt versus ludwig right now i'm not prepared to like answer that one i would i i might lean ludwig on that in terms of like if you're looking for a player that's ascending that we don't know what we we simply don't know what he has <laughs> and versus like again we kind of know the back of the baseball card with lucas glover and i know he's made a putting change and i'm super thrilled for him but like ludwig could be a if i could go to the data a two strokes gained guy which is heady 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 company and like if if it's about something like that versus I don't know. I, I, I threw that, that was thrown out to me and I'm like, dude, that's a, that's a way more interesting question than a, a part of why I've defaulted to JT is like looking around. Is it Keegan, Sam Burns, Lucas well, Glover, Russell Henley? Do I feel strongly about either of those guys over my don't go ahead, Jamie. Well, I was just going to say, I think a, a good person to talk about when we're talking about JT is Bryson. And I'll tell you why. So the data obviously matters to an extent, but you cannot, measure team chemistry and you cannot have you know there's no measurement for strokes gained chemistry and i feel like we say this all the time but a team is not necessarily your 12 quote-unquote best players a team is in any sport has to be harmonious has to be an environment where everybody's comfortable with each other and jt is not playing great golf at the moment but we know that he is the guy that's bouncing off that walls in that in that in that team room. And who I saw a video yesterday on Instagram of Patrick Cantley hitting it to like two feet or a foot at one of the par threes at Whistling Straits a couple of years ago. And it cut the camera cuts back and Cantley's got his two arms raised in the air. And JT straight in there hugging him. Now JT wasn't even playing in that match. Can you imagine how much that's getting under the under the skin of all the Europeans who are standing on that tee box? off you're not even involved in this game so um so <laughs> i think never does you, that. you can't put a price on having somebody who gets under the skin of the opposition and also just makes you stand a foot taller and you compare that to something like bryson bryson is playing better golf than justin thomas at the moment there's no two ways about that but he is not a popular guy he is disliked by some of that team and if he if he were to get picked he's going to be in a team room with a captain four vice captains and 10 players who he has effectively sued and the only guy in that team room who he hasn't sued, Brooks, we know that he thinks he's a dickhead. So, you know, you cannot put a price on having... And I just think from Zach Johnson's point of view, why, when you've got the options that he has, when you've got the strength and depth that he has, why put that factor, that toxicity, that potential toxicity into the team room at all? You know, if it, let's say it comes a choice between Bryson and Ricky even. I don't think it's going to be a choice between Bryson and Ricky. Now, is Bryson's golf that much better than Ricky's? 
where you can carry somebody who's going to be a negative toxic influence as opposed to somebody who we know is hugely popular with the rest of that team. It's just not worth it from his point of view. So I, I thought we were maybe going to come on Bryce to Bryson later in the show, but I just think that's quite a good comparison, Justin Thomas and Bryson in terms of, look, on the strokes gained data, one is obviously playing a lot better golf than the other at the moment, but is one a much better team fit than the other? Yes, absolutely. I think that we can we can yell about the JT thing and holler and whatever. I think we I, will. I think it's I, I I didn't realize this even like a week ago, but after talking to several people this week, I don't I don't even think it's really. I th- I think he's just on the team. Like I I think he's going to be on the team. I think if he wasn't, he'd have gone over and played Europe, right? Like he has to, he he would have gone over and played some European events in these in these weeks. Yeah, probably. I I, I just I think Jamie's point about. I don't know that the sort of casual American fan truly understands how much all the European players hate JT. Yeah. Like sports hate, not like they don't like in a Ryder cup environment. Yeah. In a Ryder cup environment. And there is, there's a lot of value in that. I, I told somebody last night, I think JT is who everybody thought Patrick is actually who everybody thought Patrick Reed was. Right. And and so I, I I agree with what Jamie's saying of like the numbers are bad. He's not. I mean, like there's just a lot of things working against him. But the value that he brings on everything outside of that is is really high. And when you've got Spieth and Scheffler and all these guys that I'm sure probably making the case for him behind the scenes of like, hey, there's nobody there's not a 12th guy that like stands out above everybody else and so i think when that's the case would i pick him as a captain i don't know but i i actually think zach johnson is going to i think it's unquestionably a roll of the dice but he is he's kind of a european polter and that he gets under to the american polter and that he gets under the skin of the opposition not just the players but the fans as well and it's a roll of the dice because with polter you know, we remember Medina and we remember Paris, but there have been times when Poulter's been picked and he's absolutely stunk the place out. He was not great at Glen Eagles. He was not great uh, two years ago at Whistling Straits. And it could be that that happens with Justin Thomas. It could be that he plays a session on Friday morning. He's absolutely awful. He's just hitting it all over the shop. And then he sits out till Sunday. But even to have him in that team room, I think is such a benefit. I think it's like, we're kind of arguing amongst ourselves. I would imagine like there's a consensus here that like, I've kind of come around on the JT stuff. It's, you know, Sally, your point, like, is anybody else knocking down the door? Like, Lucas Glover could be argued he was, but also he was coming from so far behind. His floor was so much lower to where, like, like Finau would have been one of those guys. Or, um, like, I'm not sure what you do with Russell Henley. Like, this, the stats say one thing. I don't know how malleable he is as far as a teammate, as far as the the different formats and all that. I think... But I don't know. It just seems like one of those things. Are we sure Brooks is on the team? I think that's a more interesting question. I think it'd be unnecessarily dramatic for him to have missed by like 30 points or whatever it was to and be the seventh man. Like if he played even one PJ, like Scotty Scheffler said this, I think today or yesterday, if he played one PGA Tour event, he would have made the team. Like yeah. I, I don't think anybody has beef with Brooks. Uh, I don't think anybody has beef with DJ. I, I think that's a different... Just, yeah. I know you understand this, but for the listeners sake, like, I still get so many Bryson messages. Like I, people need to know the difference in the guys that sued and the guys that didn't. It's a enormous thing. There's a bunch of bad faith people on Twitter that will still be like Bryson should be on the team. They're just trying to drive engagement. 
It's a non-starter. It feels like they're kind of they, people are doing that with Brooks already as well. They're trying to create a controversy when there isn't one. I think Brooks will get picked. But I, I'm just saying it with Brooks as far as like like There's I know like there. it's like there are. It, it's not necessarily like should he be on the team or will he be on the team. It's like he's not playing well right now and he's got a lot going on in his personal life. Just had a kid, you know. It was like long hospital stay, all that stuff. It's like that seems like kind of a kind of a question mark. And I'm sure he could be ready. Like it seems like he, you know, probably answered the bell winning the PGA with without much prep time prior to that like that's a almost good, winning the masters <laughs> yeah exactly like that's you know that's certainly pretty pretty compelling there but I think my, my feelings with Brooks are as Tron says like if he doesn't get gets picked you know that people will make it about oh it's because he plays live but if he doesn't get picked it's because he's not playing great golf right it's you know, he's basically being picked on the back of two good two meaningfully good performances the most recent of which was in may and what's he done since then really not an awful lot. No, he's a different category to Bryson in that he didn't sue anybody that's going to be on that team. He's refused to ever carry any water for Liv. He doesn't, you know, wear the the branded logos. He doesn't. He didn't credit them with his PGA tour, his PGA championship victory. And he doesn't carp on about how great Liv is. He openly admits he'd have stayed in the PGA tour if he'd known that his body would actually hold up. So he, he won't create a rift in the team. I think he's popular, Brooks. But I think the reason that you pick him is essentially because. He's Brooks fucking Kepka, and he's in a completely different category. You kind of ignore all the strokes gained date with Brooks Kepka, ignore any of his form. He's just he's a five time major champion who you want to have in your team, right? I've I've complicated feelings on Brooks, and it stems to like, dude, I I don't know if we ever know when he's going to play well, except for the majors, right? I mean his his record is so weird in terms of five major championships. No one will ever deny that, and then like week to week. I, I don't feel like he's the dude. I don't think he feels like he's the dude. He gets up for certain tournaments. Does he get up for the Ryder Cup? I don't have an answer to that. I don't think it's yes or no. He went three and one his first year in 2016. He was number one player in the world in 2018. And he laid a fucking egg uh, in France. He was one, two, and one. He was fine. I thought at Whistling Straits, he went two and two, but it was kind of indifferent. And like, I, I think there's enough. Qu- I think he's going to get picked, but like I have like five legitimate concerns when it comes to Brooks. What I would say is I texted Ricky the morning after the PGA Championship. Ricky Elliott. Um, Elliot, yeah. Not, not and Ricky Elliot. said this one means the most. This one is more special than the other four because of what Brooks has been through. And I wonder whether he would feel that way about a Ryder Cup as well. So having been through all the injury stuff, having been through all the, the fallout of live and blah, 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 to actually make this Ryder Cup team, I think would actually mean something to him. As much as we try to paint Brooks as a guy that doesn't give a shit, he clearly does give a shit. He loves having a point to prove. He loves to prove people wrong. And to make this Ryder Cup team with all the noise that's been going on, I think he would be an addition to the team. And I think the other 11 guys in that team room would want Brooks Kapka on their team. On that I, same I, note, on that same note, like, like, why aren't we talking JT versus DJ? And I know J, you know, DJ's had an uneven season, but he also finished T10 at at can LACC. Can I finish on Brooks real quick? Yeah. Just yeah. can I finish on Brooks real quick? Is some of the concerns, uh, I, Jamie? That that I feel a little different about one of my concerns based on what you just said, which is. Uh, I, I do wonder how much he wants it. And I don't even mean that as a shot at him. I just like, to your point, TC just had a baby that spent 20 days, I think in the NICU uh, again, speaking of somebody with some fresh perspective, like that's not nothing like a huge, huge change in your life. Having a, having a kid speed's getting ready to have a kid right before the Ryder cup as well. So it's not, he's not the only one there, but big gap in play. It's similar live and PJ tour. Both are going to have a big gap in play leading up to it. Weird live uh, Chicago event is the week before the Ryder cup. And I, 
I don't, I don't know. Professional athletes are professional athletes, but don't love the idea of getting on a flight Sunday night and jet lagged into Monday. Like I think uh, that's not worked great for the U S in the past. It's Friday. until I guess I hit a golf polo, isn't it? It's like a long it's, time. To you know, it could, be, it could be good prep. It's a dog shit course in Chicago. That's it could true. Be a perfect <laughs> prep. That's true. All that. To, I mean, there's just enough question. I, 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 no one is doubting Brooks Kepka's major championship record. When like when he when the chips are down in these huge ass met, like stroke play tough setup events, he is the dude until he's not the dude, and we don't give him enough credit for that. We don't talk about it enough. I don't know if that translates to this Ryder Cup. I, I'm not saying it does or doesn't. I just that's a question mark for me. Do, do right you now. think there's any a question for all of you guys? Do you think there's anything in Zach Johnson's head where he's thinking if I don't pick Brooks, it's yes. just going to cause such an almighty shitstorm? Yeah. Yes, for for sure. And I think, yeah, I think one thing, Sally, I, I remember actually arguing in 2021 that Brooks was like a, a problem for the U.S. team because he did. Remember, he did that. I think it was a Golf Digest a yeah. deal where he was like, oh, the Ryder Cup, whatever, you know, like, I just want to do my own thing. And it's like, do you even want to be here? You know, and and. and I, I give him credit because I think in 2021 at Whistling Straits, there was a galvanizing of him within the team to where he actually feels like part of that group now. And, and he said, he was like, in 2021, he was like, this is a different group of guys and it's way more fun than in the past. And I, I think there was a shift there for me in 2021 with Brooks at team events that it's like, man, I want that guy. And, and so many of the, the answer to so many of these questions, as I think about them, I don't know if this is the right way to answer them, but it's like U S hasn't won in Europe in 30 years. If it's, <laughs> it's so long. if it's tied 11, 11 late on a Sunday, do I want Brooks Kepka or Russell Henley in the arena? Right. Fuck yeah. It's a good point. Yep. And that that that's maybe like a very reductive way to sort of like sort through all this and figure out who's going to be on the team. But if I'm the captain, I can't not think about sort of that side of things. D, uh, TC, I want to come back to your JT versus, uh, versus DJ question here in one second, if you allow me. Uh, I'm supposed to say this off the front. This episode is brought to you uh, <laughs> by BMW, a worldwide partner of the 2023 Ryder Cup. BMW will be electrifying the Ryder Cup with a fully electric fleet of vehicles for players and officials this September. Our other partner on this episode is our friends at Athletic Greens. I take AG1 literally every day. I gave it a try because I wanted some better gut health, wanted an energy boost. It has given me that. I take AG1 in the morning before starting my day or sometimes late morning if uh, if, this, if the overnight sleep pattern was not – it's less predictable these days. That's all I can say. I feel ready to go after that. It makes me feel like I'm doing something good for my body. It gives me my body the nutrition it craves. I love starting the day with some good – greens because it makes me feel like i can eat horribly the rest of the day that's not the copy uh it's comprehensive health and the power of habit in one ag1 empowers the gut for whole body health it is so much more than a greens powder it's all of your key health products in one covering my nutritional basis for the day could not be easier which is why i trust athletic greens just mix one small scoop of ag1 with water and drink it first thing in the morning you're done costs like less than three bucks a day it's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality sourced ingredients uh, and if a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then give Athletic Greens a try. They're giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash NLU. That's athleticgreens.com slash 
NLU. Sally's out. been taking the athletic greens. That's why he's going with his gut in the eye test. Yes. Of- <laughs> Hell yeah. TC, you were bringing up a question there of why isn't it JT versus DJ? Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like driving is a massive, massive component of success on this golf course. Uh, I know DJ's had an uneven season, missed the cut at uh, Hoylake. He, he came out firing at LACC, shot a first round 64, then kind of backed up from there. But he's played well in some live events. He's won one. He's, he's played poorly in others. It seems like the floor is still higher, especially if he were to kind of lock in for that stretch. I don't know. I just look at, you know, there's there's kind of a mixed resume. You look back at 2018 in Paris. He didn't didn't play all that well, but played all five matches, played all five matches at Whistling Straits and beat the shit out of everybody. And it's one of those things of like, man, you would think that that would, even with all the live stuff percolating, and I know Jay, you know, I know DJ can be a little flighty sometimes, but man, you would think that that probably earned him, you know, a benefit of the doubt selection at some point. And it's, it's kind of shocking to see him not get a little bit more mention as far as, you know, like you said, Sally, like he's a guy you, you could trot out there, pair him with pretty much anybody on the team. He's going to drive it well. He can play in any session and, you know, he's looking a little bit thicker this year, but, um, you know, not sure about his fitness levels as much, but He's he's a dog, you know. Tron, would you? Would, one thing that I've been thinking about as it relates to DJ and some of these other guys, um, would you rather have? Well, as Team Europe, would you rather face DJ or Cam Young? Because Cam Young is the guy that it, it he feels like just auto in, and I don't really. I mean, I like him. He's been great at majors. But I don't know that he's necessarily like. Was he awesome at the Presidents Cup? He was okay. Cam uh, Young is one of those where, <laughs> to go back to the data, I actually think his game sets up really well for that course. Like okay. as Tron says, you need to hit it not just long but straight and long. And basically, he's just T to green. I think there's not many players better than him. And it's just that for him that the putter hasn't... He's kind of a bit like Scotty Light in terms of he's so good T to green, but the putter just hasn't been behaving. And I think he could be an absolute menace, especially if the course is set up, you're going to have a lot of... You're going to have long iron in your hands a lot of the time. Cam Young is a guy that I would kind of fear in that team. I, I'm with you, Kyle. If if it wasn't for the Fred Couples interview where he basically put him on the team a month ago, I... I I don't know if I would have penciled him in, him in as strong as I have. And maybe it's in my, I've just kind of had him in there as like, yeah, that's happening regardless. And I mean, if you look at his year, it's been slightly worse than last year. And he had a golf ball change that he made and he switched back around the John Deere and he's played better golf since he switched back to that golf ball. I'm kind of with you though. on like, it, it's not been fantastic. His putting has taken a decline this year, but I do also go back to, he's one of the best drivers of golf ball in the world. And if you haven't look, caught up on all the Ryder cup stuff, I still think there's a fair amount of people out there that think, this is the golf national in terms of, you know, driving distance doesn't matter. It's all about accuracy. Whereas like the profile of, of Marco Simone, I've been asking the data golf guys about this. It's like basically like 20 out of 160 European tour courses. It's like 25th in driving distance, 25th in driving accuracy in terms of emphasis. So weirdly strong emphasis on both driving accuracy and distance. The best comp they had for a golf course in the U S from a driving perspective was Bay Hill. Uh, which is obviously a course that plays long, narrow fairways, thick, rough. So picturing that more so than picturing what we saw at the Golf National with Rory hitting irons off the tees is just an important distinction. So 
that's probably where Cam gets the nod because he is, I mean, yeah, he's a 0.79 off the tee strokes gain guy. That means something. That's where I feel like, too, the, the European setup might even exacerbate some of the driving stuff as well. Like, it's going to be set up even more severely than than it was during the Italian Open, right? Yeah. I. What are you hearing, Jamie, about setup? Like, I... I, I uh, I, I I don't I, I don't think it's going to be I don't think it's going to be wildly different from what we saw at the most recent Italian Open. I mean, I think they are pinching in fairways in some places. I don't think it's going to be like exactly fairway like up to your ball sack to be, or sorry, rough up to your ball sack. I think it's going to be fairway up to your ball sack would be sick. Yeah, that that would be. Yeah. Um, okay, but just to clarify, it was rough up to your ball sack uh, in May, like not yeah, far. But off like fairway. if you're if you're really no. no 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 we're talking at times four yards off the fairway oh, and well, like kind then, of you know keep it in the fairway then the 12 yard wide fairways with like curves and slants to them like some of that could be to, to like keep them off balance as well for like when the u.s team went and did their scouting like to to you know not know how it's going to be set up right they mess they with the green speeds all that stuff <laughs> i mean maybe Sally's got a different ball sack metric like i don't who knows <laughs> I mean, I think after maybe maybe after four kids, Kyle's is a bit lower. I don't know, so maybe. (laughs) But um, I don't think it's going to be. Look, it's it's obviously going to be penal in places. But look, what I keep hearing from from players that I'm chatting to as well is there just is going to be a real emphasis on hitting it long and straight off the tee. And then once you get the ball in play, then you know it's it's game on from there. so yeah, we, which we, we'll that doesn't that feel like how JT's playing right now, right? Like that's no, where correct. I get back to with DJ and and. But I think if it's worth noting, if we if we are looking at the numbers, like comparing, and we know JT's been yeah. bad, DJ's been worse, right? So again, that's strictly from a strokes gain perspective. So I, I again, I default back to like I don't know if you can go to live and play bad. I don't even understand how DJ's in I, any conversation. I think, I think there's about five or six players that are ahead of him in the list. No, I, I genuinely, I mean, Whistling Straits. Obviously, you can't completely disregard it, but you take out his record at Whistling Straits, and he's actually got a record of b- below 500 in the Ryder Cup. DJ, yeah. he, he's not this, you know, generational talent. When it, he's, he's not Justin Thomas when it comes to the Ryder Cup, he's not Ian Poulter, he's not Colin Montgomery. It doesn't bring out the best in him. Yes, he was outstanding in one Ryder Cup when all the stars aligned. He just happened to click that week, but actually, he's kind of been a liability to the states in previous Ryder Cups. So, if he were absolutely you know, playing amazing golf over and live, then obviously he's in the conversation because he's Dustin Johnson. But I think there are four or five players who are not going to make the team that I would have ahead of DJ in the list at the moment. The likes of Keegan Bradley, Sam Burns, those kind of guys are all ahead of DJ. I, I don't even understand how DJ's in the conversation. I think one in four in France is a big strike. I do. I, and we've not talked enough about like how different the European Ryder Cups are from the U.S. ones. Like it- There's also, I think with DJ, one of the things I'll push back on a little bit there is like DJ, like he's one of those guys you can pair up with anybody. And he's been paired up with like Mickelson and Kucher a lot and like some babysitting there. I think the biggest knock on DJ and probably Brooks is they didn't go to Zach's charity event. Right. I mean, you know, <laughs> I saw I saw JT posted his his travels for the year on his Instagram, like, you know, counting up his miles and all that. And Cedar Rapids was on there. Like he made sure to sure. put that on there. Sure. You know, 
Uh, I swear this. I told you guys before we started recording. I said, guys, I want to talk Europe first, and you guys yeah. did this to me. You guys did this to us. I didn't. Yeah, you did. You were you. Kept- TC did. I did. You know, hand up, solid. But that's that's because we wanted to save the best for the meat of this of okay. this episode, right? I'm going to ask this to Jamie. What is what is the European path to victory? What does that look like, right? I mean, 2018 was Molinari and Fleetwood, Henrik Stenson and foursomes just drilling fairways. That was the path. What what's the European path to victory look like right now? What are the what are the keys? Real, real quick, I can I say what the path is? I think it's if they reduce the teams to eight players. Like that's the path to European victory. Well, I, you know, I agree with Cal to extent that I think those top guys, you know, three of the four best players in the world at the moment are European. I don't think anybody can argue with that. Rory, Ram, Hovland and Scheffler are the four best players in the world. Now, I think those three guys, you're going to have to ride them pretty hard. They might have to play all five sessions, maybe Matt Fitzpatrick as well. But so I think the path to victory is that those top players need to be hot for that week. And then we need to just hope that one of the nine to 12 guys chips in with a few points here and there. Um what I would say is, you know, a, a lot changes in a year. And I think when we did our first one of these podcasts, you know, we kind of predicted our teams. And if you look back at that now, we're, we're so far off. And from a U.S. point of view, after last year's President's Cup, you would have said it felt as if 10 of that team were almost locks for Rome. With the exception of Horschel and Kisner, all the other 10 guys are definitely going to be in Rome. Now, since then, we've had... Three guys who weren't in that team, Bruce Kepka, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, all win major championships. We've had renaissances for Ricky Fowler, Keegan Bradley. And then we've had just in the last few weeks, this completely left field bolter in the shape of Lucas Glover as well. So there's six guys that have suddenly just been thrown into the mix. What I would say is if you listen back to that podcast a year ago, I said there were seven locks for Europe that I would see definitely being in that team. And those seven remain the seven locks. And I think if you look at all of them where they were at Whistling Straits, all those guys played at Whistling Straits. And if you compare them now to the players they were then, well, I think John Ram is John Ram. He's just, you know, he's the buoy. He's always maintains a pretty high standard. Rory and Tommy are both coming into Rome playing better golf than they were two years ago. And the other four guys, Shane, Tyrrell, but especially Fitz and Victor, are not just playing better golf, but they're fundamentally better golfers than they were two years ago as well. So those seven guys, I feel really, really confident about. Then I think Justin Rose is obviously a pretty obvious number eight. He's going to make the team as well. I think as things stand at the moment, I would put my house on Adrian Moronk making the team as well. Um, why are you laughing as soon, as soon as as soon as that nobody's ever ever before. <laughs> Well, you know, I'll put my he, house up too, Jamie. I'm <laughs> hearing the same thing. He's got a Moronk nice house. He, he, look, he's won and he's finished second at that course. And he hits it long, he hits it straight. And I, this goes back to what I think I said in a previous pod. This is typical condescending, sneering attitude from the Americans towards predominantly <laughs> European tour players. Um, Adrian Moronk is a better golfer than a lot of American golf fans might give him credit for. As things stand at the moment, Bob McIntyre has the final automatic spot. Which is tough right now. I'll, I'll be honest. Statistically, like, you know, I, like, listen, I'm nobody. It's like nobody can replace a Gary Bertier. Uh, you know, he's got a big heart, all that stuff. <laughs> Cannot replace a Gary Bertier. I am very, very, very concerned about Bob McIntyre. Will you apologize profile. for making me apologize for Big Shot Bob? I think we can wipe Listen, he's going to automatically qualify. <laughs> I mean, it's... I've got something to say about Bob, right? If you look at you look at the data, it's not good. 
It's not pretty with Bob at the moment. The form is a concern. There's no question about that. There's two things I would say about Bob. Real quick, isn't he like the dog though? Like, isn't he like if you're looking for a profile yeah. of like dude, kind of so throw this the is kind out. of this is kind of one thing I feel yeah. about him, and you, you'll laugh at me when I say no, this. I don't but think I will. You know, I, I've I got I <laughs> with you, mate. I just have a feeling with Bob McIntyre. I just got a feeling in my bones about Bob McIntyre that the Ryder Cup is the kind of atmosphere that will bring out the best in him. He just strikes me as that kind of character. I that believe that he is a little gutsy street fighter. He has that dog in him. Um, I don't think he's the kind of player who'll be phased by standing on a first tee with Scotty Scheffler or Jordan Spieth or whoever opposite him. I just think he kind of just takes it all in his stride. And one big thing I would say about Bob McIntyre is basically he's had two outstanding weeks in the last year. Now, that's not great. But if you look at what those two weeks were, well, one Italian was Open. winning the Italian <laughs> Open around Marco Simone when he knows that Luke Donald will have been watching and paying attention that week. And by the way, it wasn't an Italian, a weak Italian Open field. It was an Italian Open field that had Roy McIlroy John Ram, Matt Fitzpatrick in it. And his other big performance was his home open, which will have meant more to him than anything else. So National that shows open. to me that those two performances are when the pressure would have been at the most intense, and yet he was able to perform. So I think he can perform when the chips are down. Maybe he's that kind of guy who doesn't get himself up for the D&D check masters, but he's the kind of guy that when the stakes are really high, suddenly it brings out the best in Bob. And I just, I just get the impression from watching him and talking to him, he's such a laid-back character, but he's just a fighter and i think he's a man that you want in that team room jamie i agree i think uh i think he wore himself out a little bit trying to make this team because he wanted it yeah. so bad he, he played more events than he probably should have it you know i'm not sure it actually helped him points wise but he that was his decision and it means a lot to him but i totally agree i think you you know you see his he's got that dog in him i think there should be a captain's agreement that you pair him against Harmon in singles <laughs> That'd be sweet. You know, it's a street fight. He right? feels like McIntyre feels like um, the weird match play scenario where it's like, dude, any golf tournament ever, am I taking like Bob McIntyre or like Xander? And like, if they got paired in a match together, it, that frustrating, like, how the fuck is this guy beating me? Like, how is he beating me? And, and that is, I remember watching Leona McGuire against Nelly in the Solheim Cup a couple years ago. And I was like, dude, any stroke play event, Back when Nelly was playing a lot better, I'd be like, I would take Nelly in this. And then immediately in that match play scenario, it just like flips. It, the pressure goes to the better player. And you, I don't know. So that, that's kind of a comp that I've written down here, Bob and Leona. Yeah. It's just, you know, they're, they're pretty, they go about their business in a pretty quiet, unassuming kind of way. They're not like pumping their chest, big, loud, in your face characters, but they just, when they're in that environment, they're just gritty gutsy match players and i i just have that feeling with bob that this you know i agree with tron that maybe he got slightly rider cup fever this year and that might have his golf might have fallen off as a result but i just think in that cauldron in that environment he's going to be like to the manner born there was a scotty shuffler had a quote last week at the bmw championship where he talked about <clears throat> he's like listen we we want guys on the u.s team that are winners <laughs> I, want, I want winners <laughs> Uh, and he was like, it's not necessarily guys that have won tournaments, which sounds like a ridiculous thing to no, say. Right. Yeah. But he pointed back at, he's like, look at me in 2021. I hadn't won a, I hadn't won a PGA tour event, but I think that our captains and our team saw somebody that was a winner. And you know, that that's the part I, I and I think all, all that to say, I think that applies to somebody like a Bob McIntyre. He doesn't win a ton, but he is it, at least from my view, a winner. And when you put somebody like that in match play, this is where hand up, like 
Tron, you're right. Like probably lean too much on strokes gained and date, like all this different stuff. Half the Ryder Cup is just, you're just riding on emotion, right? And, yeah. and you can't, people, people say like, oh, you want JT just because he yells a lot? No, I want JT because he's emotional and because you can't fake I mean, if JT's faking his emotion, he's been doing it for 10 years, right? You, you can't fake that for that long. And so much of this event is played on that and is built on that. And that's where, like, Bob Mackin, like, his emotion at the Scottish Open, like, this stuff, like, means something to him. And you can't, you can't replace something like that. So I, I, think it'd be, I think it'd be awesome to see him there. I don't know if he'll make it, but I think it'd be really cool. I think there's something to be said, too, for, like, like the, the top half of the European team is so much stronger seemingly than it was before obviously you had rom and rory but like like you said jamie hatton's playing better golf fleetwood is playing world-class golf can i raise a teeny tiny concern on rom like he's not playing great golf <laughs> just a teeny tiny you know i mean uh, look, i don't know if that he's, matters he's, yeah he's john he's john right uh, yeah he, isn't he he's john freaking ram and like he you know he, 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 he arrived in the hoy lake in in you know not the greatest of form shoots a 63 in the Saturday. If it wasn't for an insane generational performance from Brian Harmon, then he could have been lifting the Claret Chug, winning two majors this year. So i got no concerns at all about John Ram. Um, I've got a feeling he may well be paired with Matt Fitzpatrick as well. It's just a pairing that I have a hunch on, and I think that's a pretty formidable pairing. In the absence of Sergio, Fitz sort of slots straight in there, another insane ball striker who just puts the lights out. Um I feel quite confident about that pairing. The only reason I say that is just like, obviously we, he had a generational uh, winter and I, I think many people were talking about, he might even win the grand slam. Um, he didn't end up doing that, but has it listen for Rom, who's at worst, one of the three best players in the world hasn't won since the masters. He is uh, a second place finish in the Mexico open T2 at the open championship. Missed the cut of the travelers T37 at St. Jude T31 out of 50 at the BMW. Like it's not been. So, he's, so he's, he's won more recently than Scotty Scheffler. Correct. Um, <laughs> you just couldn't wait to get that in. You didn't even hear what I said, but, but I also think it's like <laughs> talking out of both sides of my mouth here. It's like, dude, when you have this weird schedule this year, like this is a different, like different yeah. flow into this of these guys aren't going to play a tournament for four weeks leading up into this. And I don't know if the immediate results necessarily European guys will. It's true. And Justin Thomas, the news is he'll play the Fortinet championship. So, so there will be a bit of golf between now and room, but just, just going back to, to 2021 is, you know, you look at it, you got Poulter, you got Westwood, you got Paul <laughs> Casey, you got burned Weisberger. Like there's some, ass on that team right and like <laughs> yeah. it's you know and like older ass like you know nearing the expiration date right and <laughs> you know i don't know i just think that like you know it's like morong or uh like sep we haven't even talked about sep yet like he's having a great season you know i'm yeah. a little bit worried about like his floor or whatever but like sep seems to have that dog in him and and i don't know i don't know it, it just seems like there's a lot more like the floor is higher for a lot of these European guys. They're better. Like, I mean, like what? Burned was like one of the leading points getters. He was the fourth, fourth in the points rank last time for the European, you know, ranking. I, I think it for uh, I was Se Seps in the team as well. I would say yeah, definitely totally. just on on, is that, on Sep. Is, it, is that ten, Jamie? I, so I think there's ten, ten that are ten more to go. I think there's I think there's ten guaranteed. <laughs> Where's Guido? <laughs> What's he doing? <laughs> All right, so 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 Rory, that was Rom, just a complete, Bob, completely blindsided in that one. Hovland, 
So yeah, the the ten the ten are we've, we've got we've got the seven that have remained the seven. I just say Rory, Ron, Bob, Hovland, Fleetwood, Hatton are like the qualifiers as of right now. They're the six at the moment, yep. right? No, I think there's a question mark on Bob if he falls out of the automatic spot, and there are five guys that could catch him this week in the Czech Republic, uh, likes of Yannick Paul, Victor Perez, Adrian Moronk, Adrian Otegi, and I'm forgetting one. But there's five guys that could overtake him into that final spot. Assuming those automatic six remain those six, then I think we're talking about one final spot because I think five of the picks will be Tommy, Shane, Sepp, Justin Rose, and Moronk. No, obviously, if Moronk then pips Bob into an automatic spot, you're talking about two spots. Whether Bob gets one of those, I think, is a little bit more up for debate. But I think you're essentially talking about a 12th man now. And I know who Tron's 12th man will be. I think everybody knows who Tron's 12th man will be. I, I think it's a no-brainer, and I think if he if he plays well either this week or in Kron, then Ludwig's in. And because I think his game sets up so well for that course as well, we've already said hitting it long, hitting it straight off the tee. There's not many players who hit it longer and straighter than Ludwig. So, I, hey man, yeah, I don't have to. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like I think we've seen Ludwig's B minus game for the last six to eight weeks out there. His his approach play hasn't been great. I think he's got time to get that cleaned up. He's always driven it like this. I think he's always going to drive it like this. Uh, the chipping's been better than expected, and the putter's been hot and cold. But I don't know. I just think Ludwig's like, he. A, it's invest in the future. B, I think his floor is very, very high. That, that you know, like he's shown a propensity for playing really well in, in, you know, going out as a rookie on the PGA Tour. I know he hasn't played well on Saturdays and Sundays, but like getting out to hot starts the moment not being too big for him at the beginning of the week and he's getting more, you know, he's consistent. So I'm all about him. I think it's a no brainer. I'd also say, I, I spoke to two of the guys who are going to be on the team this week who will remain nameless, but I said, as things stand at the moment, who are your six picks straight away? They said, Laurie, Straka, Moronk, Fitz, Rose, and then either Ludwig or Alex Noren is what they actually said. So, yeah, I think I think Nor McIntyre, like if McIntyre gets bumped out, I think Warner McIntyre, or if if Adrian Dumont Sart plays well this week and wins this week, it's like holy shit, do you take him too? You know, I mean, it would be what would be great to see is somebody doing what Eduardo Molinari did. He didn't quite do it; he didn't quite win, but doing what Eduardo Molinari did back in twenty ten in the final qualifying event, going out winning it, just grabbing it by the scruff of the neck and saying, "You can't not pick me now." Luke, I mean, that would be brilliant to see somebody do that. I don't know if that's going to happen, but well, only again, only hesitation on Ludwig TC is the stat that we we dug into. Like forty year olds don't do great in the Ryder Cup. Like it's just <laughs> it's just what's just what the numbers say. Okay, so uh, that's the only only. Do we feel great about I hear anything you guys said for the last five minutes? I was waiting to get that. Larry, I know he's <laughs> in. I know Shane's in, but do we like his current form? Played well at the Scottish, played okay at Travelers, missed the cut at the Open, Can I? That's what I want to say is, again, digging into things, like things get decided with the qualifiers. Is like I know the captain's picks amounts are different now, but like I feel like, Jamie, if I, if I were to, to, to poke you a little bit, I feel like you just you list off the top names on the European side as if it's printed and written in stone that they're going to play great in the Ryder Cup. I think it's like no, there's some individual it's, it's, questions look, look, there. You know, like, yeah, it, look, it, nothing's written in stone, obviously, when it comes to the Ryder Cup. I'm just saying that I think all those those seven guys who are going to be on the team that were at Whistling Straits 
are all in a better place now than when they were two years ago. And, I, and we've spoken about Whistling Straits being the kind of perfect storm in that the Europeans arrived there out of form. The Americans arrived there in form. Stricker seemed to get every call right. Podrick made some bad calls. The crowd was 99% American because it was still post-COVID. Everything that could have gone wrong for you went wrong in that Ryder Cup, which is why you got this hugely conflated scoreline. I think it's going to be a lot different this time. Plus, it's on European soil, obviously. On the Shane front... Are there any concerns? I would say absolutely not. His results this season haven't told the full story of how well he's playing. He's had top 20s at Riviera, the Honda, Memorial, Travellers, the Scottish, and at three of the four majors. He was 16th at the Masters, 12th at the PGA, 20th at the US Open. The Open, he missed the cut, which was just a complete anomaly. And if you look at the data, he's pretty consistent. Over the last three months, he's ahead of the likes of Spieth or Cam Young. Driving, as we've said now, is crucial around Marco Simone. I don't know if you guys, would you hazard a guess at where you think Shane Lowry sits in the, in the overall driving data on the PGA Tour for this season? So taking into account accuracy and distance, where do you say Shane Lowry is? So he's probably 80th percentile, like, you know, probably 20th, 25th. So he's, he's 62nd in distance, 28th in accuracy, but overall driving, he's 8th on the okay. entire PGA Tour. That, and I think that, if you ask somebody where does Shane Laurie sit, that would surprise people. That's the total driving stat, which uh, don't love that stat, by the way. But I, mean, I would, I would, I would okay, look at gross gain and how that my, adds up. My yeah. point is, he, he's pretty accurate. He, he, I, I, and I, I, I walked a few holes with with his folks at the Masters. He has got it on a string from tee to green at the moment. He's just having trouble with the flat stick. So, and I know that Shane just again, he's another guy who this just brings out the best in him. Like he was one of the few highlights at Whistling Straits a couple of years ago. He absolutely loved it. I remember being in tears at the end of the day on Sunday, just saying, I don't know how I'm going to go back to playing just for myself again. I just love these guys. I love being in the team environment. I've got absolutely no concerns about Shane, Shane Laurie at all. Got him at 34th in strokes gain off the tee in the last six months and 43rd in the world over the last 12 months, just to tie a bow on that. But I, I, would, I would tend to agree with the, the, the match play part of that. Kyle, go ahead. I was going to say, if you don't want to just play for yourself, you could always go to Luke. I mean, that's always sitting out there. So it's like Might be um, close at one point. Spot on smash. A little spot, maybe. I don't uh, know. One guy on live that I will, I do want to give a shout out to because I think he's playing some of the best golf in the world right now. And you guys are going to laugh. I, I, but I'm dead serious. I can't wait. Blandy. Blandy. <laughs> he's fucking flushing it, man. He was sixth in London, third at Greenbrier, 11th at Bedminster. He's played well all year. Okay, you know. Wait, let's move on. What's the next part of the podcast? <laughs> Sorry, I, I do you have any stats for for guys in their in their mid fifties? There is. <laughs> I didn't say Jay Haas was a fifty-one-year-old captain's pick in two thousand and four, and I should have clarified that in the stats. But oh, those teams, by the way, those teams from the mid-noughties were just dude. It was it. It's it was like wild. this. This is my point on like you know uh, why would. J, uh, ZJ threw in a hand grenade like Bryson into that team no, no, no. when he's got the options he has. We're not talking about 2006 when it was like Vaughn Taylor, JJ Henry, and Brett Wetterick making oh, up that team. So it's like he's going to leave some studs off this team this time, ZJ. So why would you create a dilemma for yourself when you don't need to? You know what's crazy is that 06 team was favored. Uh, I looked at that. That is crazy. I don't, they lost like 18 and a half. 18 and a half, nine and a half. Uh, yeah. Almost the worst in, in Ryder Cup history, but that changed recently. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I think I asked you that question of what the path is because I, I think it, again, the Molinari Fleetwood thing that happened at, at France was like what flipped everything on its head. And Stenson, I think in the, in the foursomes of just 
guys that played their role to perfection. Do you think back Rory didn't play very well? Rom didn't play very well. And they won by eight. Like it was, it was a unconventional path to doing that. And I'm wondering what that is, right? Is it Rory and Rom absolutely balling out? Obviously, Victor Hovland's going to need to win his first Ryder Cup match. Matt Fitzpatrick is going to need to win his first Ryder Cup match. If you look at, I guess, a, a challenge I have on Fitz, I know he just played great at the BMW, is the 2022 year is more of an outlier. Like He's fallen back in line with a lot of the rest of his career. He is longer now, but like again, if we're looking at data, he's kind of fallen back into a, a, a you know, a, the same guy he was in 21, 2019, around that level than he is the dude that was way up there, major champion in 2022. That's a question mark. There's just there's a fair amount of question marks in there, and they're going to need at least one of those guys to go off, like totally go off. His Ryder Cup record is a fucking disgrace. Yeah, but it's not good, it's and he's fully aware of that. But first I, home I, I would say this is first home. Right, it's a first home one, and look, he says Hazeltine, he was just not ready for that. He was a 20 year old pop, like rabbit in the headlights he just didn't know what was going on at that Ryder Cup at all a couple of years ago he wasn't the player he is now he also had some pretty bad pairings yeah. he's only ever been trotted out in foursomes and I think he's dying to play four balls this time I know he is and I just I mean I can't say enough nice things about Matt Fitzpatrick I absolutely love the guy I think he's the model professional I think he is the hardest worker out there I think he identifies a weakness and he just works his tail off until he has improved that weakness he went into last week knowing that he was on the outside looking in and he suddenly produced this performance where he could have ended up winning the tournament had Victor Hovland not shot 61 on Sunday I mean the guy's just got stones I mean as I said, I, I and, he, and he's just and above. A, you know, at the end of the day, he's just the nicest guy as well. He's completely down to earth. I'm buying um, on his. So his, I, I, and look and and he's. I think he's got a game that really sets up well for that course as well. I truly think it's like it's not that he can't win a Ryder Cup match. I would wonder, like, hey, dude, at zero and five, are you not thinking about it a little bit going into it? Is there a little added pressure to him to like flip the script on this? Again, I think we probably still have not talked enough about like how different European Ryder Cups are. I mean. The U.S. team goes over and shits the bed every single fucking time. Every time. Do you guys? Every I was just time. thinking about this. I, I was thinking about this earlier today. Do, do any uh, Solly and um, TC are quite a bit younger than me. I'm not sure what age you are, Kyle. I mean, you just you age beautifully. You, you're <laughs> mid, mid He's like Blandy. Um, <laughs> but um, do do you guys remember '93 at the Belfry? No. no. I was seven. No. I, was, I was eight. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you're all younger than me. See, I, I remember it. So I, I, I do actually remember the U.S. winning on European soil. So it's quite cool that you you, you can't even remember it in your entire lifetime ever happening. So no. but, that's, right, that's the only point I wanted to make. Question for you guys: <laughs> Is the like I don't think there's going to be a ton of like Ital rabid Italian golf fans out there. No. Is it just going to be like a split crowd of like a shitload of Americans coming no. over? No, there'll be a lot of, as well. France was not a lot of French fans either. It was a lot of people that traveled over to it. I've met so many guys in recent weeks. I met so many guys at Hoylake who were saying, I see at the Ryder Cup that they've had this booked way in advance. Every year the Ryder Cup gets exponentially bigger. There's so many guys making a trip. I mean, a trip over to Rome at the end of September, it's pretty sweet anyway if you throw in a Ryder Cup into the, into the mix I'm just as well, saying, so. I know a lot of American guys saying the same thing of like, hey, I'm going yeah. over there. Yeah, yeah. You know. There'll be a decent American presence. I'll say this, for as bad as the golf course is from a golf perspective, it like through through honestly through to no credit of Marco Simone, it could be a bomb ass venue. Like there is uh, the the hills and the valleys and the and the amphitheater settings for a lot. Like 
the noise is going to permeate through that. Like I thought the golf national was a horrible venue for a lot of reasons. I thought it was horrible to navigate. I didn't think like you couldn't guys. I was just there as a fan. I couldn't like figure out what was going on at any parts of the golf course. Italy's going to be so different. You can see to different parts of it. You can hear, Oh, that was an eruption at number 12. I understand that. Here's what just happened over at the sixth hole. I can understand that. The first tee setting is going to be awesome. The 18th hole setting, the 16th hole is going to be absolutely outrageous. There's so many great places to sit and form crowds and enjoy the golf and all that. I guess it's going to be a great viewing venue in that regard and great atmosphere. Um, I, I have a feeling now. I just, I would, of course, wish the golf would just be set up more to, you know, showcase the golf than it would be just to penalize slightly offline drives. But we'll see how that plays as well. What's interesting about that, Sully, is, you know, you're talking about Rory and Rom and like Europe's need for them to thrive. And they didn't in Paris because they didn't have a setup that uh, was conducive to their strengths. So as, as more and more European players play, primarily on the PGA tour, like a Fitzpatrick or a Fleetwood or whatever, and, and, and play in those like very uh, myopic setups that are just the same, the same, the same and develop those skills. Does it really, is it a benefit to Europe to, to continue to set courses up like in the sort of European way that we think of? I think when there is a talent gap um, that favors the U S side, Europe is better off putting like the course setup into a blender and making it a 120 yard to 160 yard approach contest more than it is like 170 to 220, which is what the U S tried to do at whistling Straits. was like, dude, you want to beat us out ball strike Xander and Morikawa and DJ and can't lay from like long way out. And France was like, no dude, let's drive it to this area. And let's like hit wedges in and we're going to hit it closer and the crowd's going to go fucking nuts and you guys are going to shit your pants. And it worked like it really did work. So I, I don't think this talent gap is that severe. Like, I don't think they have to. I that's, mean, that's big of you, Sally. I mean, it's just that's the numbers, TC. I also think I also think there's like some insane ball strikers in the European team this time around. And, and if the intel is that they're going to have long, long irons in their hands a bit more often this time around, then I feel pretty good about. Tommy Fleetwood, John Ram, Victor Hovland, Roy McIlroy, Matt Fitzpatrick having long irons in their hand. Uh, you know, and, and look, look, on the flip side, you're going to have Scotty Scheffler, Cam Young, Jordan Spieth with long irons in their hand as well, which is, you know, pretty good as well. But I, I, I agree that the talent gap isn't as pronounced this time around. It's amazing where we were, you know, sitting there in the RV at Whistling Straits and you're like, man, this is this is so bleak for the Europeans. Like you guys are so fucked and just like, Hey, just, just trust us. We got this Ludwig guy coming. We got some other <laughs> guys on, on the come up and over the last, you know, in like three to six month intervals here, it's gotten more and more positive. We trusted the process. We told you to hold your horses solid. Flying and the victory flag right now. Like I'm what, what happens saying, if you go you lose 18, nine, like what, what happens then? And we'll address that when it happens. I think I said a year ago, look, I'm a strong believer in fight. <laughs> I got a good feeling about this. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Porter, what do you think is going to happen? Like, I, I, I truly, I, I think I have um, reached this point. I usually reach this by midday Friday. Like the memory of the U S shitting the bed in Europe. I think I reached it way earlier this time around. And I, I don't, yeah. So I know it's a question reporter. I, I don't think they're going to 
shit the bed this time. I just don't see that happening I'm at all. I'm back and forth on like, but is I'm, this team different or is the same thing going to happen? And I, everything is telling me this is a different team. The thing that we haven't gotten really since 2012 is a lights out really close yeah. late on Sunday Ryder Cup. And there are a million reasons for that, but I, I've sort of talked myself into that's what this is going to be. And I'm hopeful that it is because there's nothing but in golf better than a close Ryder Cup on a Sunday. Like it is, it's as insane as it is at a U.S. Open or a PGA or whatever. At a Ryder Cup, it is it is just phenomenal. And so I I don't know who's going to end up winning that. I know we do these predictions. I don't even know who's going to win a, a a major with three holes left, and 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 I'm having to predict the Ryder Cup like nine months out. Uh, but I, I do think more so than in years past for a number of different reasons that we've talked about that it's going to be a lot. Like, it's just going to be a really tight, close Ryder Cup, which I'm pretty excited about. It's a question for you guys on the U.S. side. Have they gone over yet or when are they going over to do their scouting? I think I, I, I want to say the second week in September. I don't know why I, I want to say September 7th or something like that. I don't know why I want to say that, but I, that's not don't. don't I hope they that. like don't mow the greens like three days before that and well so that's where you get into like some of the stuff that europe does like the the u.s has a way Sick. better way of accounting for things now that didn't exist as of like 2014 and i think they were like in I'm, i could be kind of making up this timeline a little bit but in the process of implementing but not really trusting in 2018 but like they look at who puts well on blank green speeds like 10 to 10 and a half like that is the like europe's going to slow down the greens our data is not, hey, strokes gained on the PGA Tour where they putt on way faster greens. It is who putts well when the greens are this speed. That's our look. Into so they should they should actually speed the greens up sure. for, the, for, the, Could, for the scouting trip, mess with them, take some rough in. Like talk, I, I'm all in on that That's stuff. way uh, definitely part of the deal. I just think like if we're looking at paths to victory, like two names I don't know if we've even said yet are the most important on the U.S. side, and that's Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantley. Like, yeah okay well let's look if, yeah. if you like we don't it, it's it's what we do in Ryder cup lead-ups like you talk you hand ring over the captain's picks and all that but it is almost always decided by like how your top guys play or who you know it's, you don't know who your top guys are going into the week but the dj morikawa thing at whistling straits was like a little i don't know we, that wouldn't have been the top billing team coming in but they were the gas pedal and they stomped on people the the zand if the if europe beats xander and cantlay us is in big time trouble like big time trouble and it, it does feel like, and it, it feels different coming into this with JT playing so poorly, but it felt like, all right, we got Xander and Cantlay and we got JT Spieth. Like that felt like the Rose Stinson, Sergio Rory foursome of the peak European Ryder Cup years in the early 2010s, 2012, 2014, all that was like, and then you throw in the, the Poulter pairing with anyone. And now you, like the, the, you flipped it more than 50, 50 in each team session, right? And if those if those two teams go out and and perform, Europe's in trouble. I I have a feeling because we haven't talked about Scott. I don't know who Scotty's going to play with. Um, that Brian Harmon. That that would scare the life out of me, Scotty Scheffler and Brian Harmon, just kind of holding serve on the holes where Scotty's putting, and then just winning everybody hole where Brian Harmon's putting. That would that would terrify me. Because if I was to list a concern on the U.S. side, it's putting. Right. It is. Um, I, I do think these things are a lot of people think they're decided only with the putter, but it's really about more about ball striking than people realize. But there's enough concern between Scotty Scheffler 
JT, Spieth, if I'm being honest, on the putting. Cameron Moore Young. morikawa has been a little better with the putter this year, but like Cam Young has not been a great putter. Um, Max? Max has had a great putting year. Max is really, really good. Yeah, year. it just kind of felt on, I look, I'm only judging this on one weekend, but it kind of felt when he got when he got that lead uh, at Chicago last weekend, the putter kind of deserted him. He had a, a missed shorty on the, or that triple bogey is kind of ringing in a lot of people's people's heads, but he has had, he's 0.66 strokes game putting this year, which okay. has blown away his best season ever. So that is a concern, but I think it, you know, it, it, it's, I remember at Whistling Straits when I sat kind of between six and seven and two and three on this little walkway and like just watched everybody come through and it was like, well, I don't think I had appreciated how good that U.S. team was at that point because Patrick Cantlay just like wandered by and it was like, shit, he's like the seventh best player on this team, I think, right now. And he, I, yeah. he, went under, he was either close undefeated or undefeated. To, to go back, I, mean, I know you asked this question about half an hour ago, but to go back to what is Europe's path to victory, I think it's just about catching lightning in a bottle and finding a couple of pairings that just really, really work. And when I look back at previous Ryder Cups, people forget this, but Justin Rose and Henrik Stenson, when Paul McGinley threw them together at Glen Eagles, everyone's like, what, really? Rose and Stenson? And then they went on to be one of Europe's greatest pairings over the next few Ryder Cups. Um, and likewise, that Ryder Cup, he just, you know, people sort of raised eyebrows when GMAC and Victor de Buisson were put together, but they just got each other's vibe. And, and, you know, and then looking back at Paris, you know, Frankie and Tommy obviously were just unbeatable that week. And and Thomas Bjorn leaned heavily into the data for that, I know. So, you look, I don't know how much Luke is doing that and how much it's on gut instinct, but if they can get a few pairings, because there's going to be a lot of new pairings for Europe this time, okay? There is no Porto, there is no Garcia. There's going to be a lot of pairings we haven't seen before from a European point of view. Like I said, I'd feel pretty confident that John Ram and Matt Fitzpatrick will be one. Who does Rory pair with? Do you put him out with Victor Hovland? Do you really want to put two of your best three players in a pairing together? Or do you want to split them up and just have them drag along a rookie? I mean, there's so many things, so many balls up in the air for Luke Donald at the moment. But it's just about if you find that pairing where when you see them listed in the team together on Thursday evening, you go, oh, really? Wouldn't have put those two together? And suddenly they just click and they rattle off four points in two days then that's the path to victory. I mean, Seth, Seth Straka, I think, could be an unbelievable four, four balls partner for somebody. Because I just think if you put him with somebody like Shane or Tommy or Victor Hovland, who's just going to hit fairways and greens and keep you in every hole, and you have someone like Seth Straka, who's just going to fire every single pin and make a shitload of birdies, yes, he'll probably make a few double bogeys as well, but it doesn't matter if you've got a Fitz or a Tommy alongside you, then I think Seth Straka could be dangerous in four balls. Do we know if four balls or foursomes going first? I don't actually know that, no. Europe has gone four balls first, I believe, the last two times. I know they did at Marco, or at La Golf Nationale, and that's where they kind of pants Furyk. We lost that session. You lost that session, but you kind of, yeah. Furyk kind of got pantsed a little bit because, yeah, I don't know how to explain it. Like, the, the, what the U.S. team threw out in the morning meant that he had to kind of own them for the afternoon and they had weird force. I don't know. It seems to have become, I, you know, I remember Ryder cups when, you know, I remember Brookline in 99 where three of the European teams sat out until Sunday, but it's kind of become an unwritten rule. Now that all 12 guys from both sides have to play on Friday. And I don't really know where that's come from or why question for you guys. Just a couple hypotheticals here. We've got, I'm looking at the tea times for the, the D plus D real check masters double here. Double D and, uh, and also the DP world tour just put up some Ludwig content on the, on the gram. 
Um, we've got Eduardo Molinari, Yannick Paul, and Rasmus Hoygaard playing together. In the next group, we have Francesco, Nikolai, Hoygaard, and Ludwig playing together. And then the group after that, we've got Adrian Moronk, Torbjorn Olsson, and Shane Lowry. And then the group after that, we've got Otagwe and Podrick. If Podrick goes out and wins this week <laughs> in check, does he get a look? Um, no. And what about yeah. <laughs> uh, the, other, the other, other one you didn't mention? Well, the other two you didn't mention. Luke Donald this week is playing with Bob and Alexander Bjork, who would be a very left field choice, but you just never know. And Nicholas Colsarts, who's obviously a vice captain as well, is playing with Pablo Larathabal and ADDC. So when you look at the pairings, it kind of feels as if Victor Perez certainly, I think, has, has kind of missed his chance now. And Adrian Otegi, although he's playing alongside Podrick Harrington, who will report back to Luke, obviously. But you look at those two guys in particular, Otegi and Perez, have kind of been left out in the cold a bit by not playing with, you know, a, a captain or a vice captain. I thought that was interesting. Do you think Nikolai has an outside shot? I think anybody who's playing with one of the vice captains or the captain is obviously being considered. I think what's interesting about you and I have talked about this, Holly, but going for going to six, just six automatic qualifiers, like normally if you have eight or whatever the nine, the number used to be, it would be very hard for a captain to go away from like the three that barely missed out. And now because you only have six, it's like, okay, well, we're still going to take the three that barely missed out. But now we can kind of go a bunch of different directions at the bottom, which I think makes the the entire qualification process more interesting. It just makes the whole product like stronger, I think, right? For sure. I still think the U.S. I think, so. I think yeah. both sides still need to tweak their point system a lot. I mean, uh, you you could really get handed. Like it, I, I'll say this, like I, I do mean disrespect with it on this one. Like if Yannick Paul gets the <laughs> final spot, that's a problem for Europe. Like that's. <laughs> Like, I, I'm sorry, like, you don't want to take that. You don't want that guy on your team. Like, you don't, and then I don't understand why you would set up a system like that where you're going to end up taking someone that is just like totally not in your plans to take, right? It, well, I mean, it, it, we, we kind of are in that position already where, you know, we all like Bob as a character, and I've already given my reasons on this podcast for why I would have him in my team, but he's not playing great golf, and yet he's in an automatic spot off the back of one really strong performance in Scotland. It's always so disconcerting. Yannick Paul, whenever I pull up his, his PGA Tour profile, he looks like Huber. <laughs> uh, He's also a Colorado Buffalo, so you're going to piss off Coach Prime here. Well, and I think for the U.S. side, like, they kind of, it's just working in their, it's working out okay, but, like, Brian Harmon has made an, obviously, he made the team after he won the Open Championship, and... He's played very well since then and more than justified. He's, he's justified a, a pick on a lot of different fronts, I think, and it's worked out fine. But, like, you took a guy from basically outside the realm of of consideration automatically onto your team several months in advance. And it, it, it might not come back to bite him this go-around, but it's not a good thing. they got to adjust the point system, like especially with how much purses have changed in, in, in golf. And, like, it, it, they're already doubling – the points for majors and majors are already worth more money. You end up with outside, like a, a one outsized performance could put you on a team um, that, you know, maybe you haven't justified through other statistical means. But. Well, you know, I know it's slightly different because he won Quail Hollow as well, but Wyndham Clark hasn't really done anything Very since true. LACC. And I think he's a bit, he sprays it a bit off the tee. I, I'd be concerned about having him in my team. But it's also one of those things at some point where like you got to, I don't know, a guy's got to be able to earn his way on the yeah, team. And if I think you win so. a major in another, PGA Tour event, 
you know, like how do they do it with FedEx or with uh, Tour Championship? How does that count towards the? Because it's like the points are wrapped. The points are wrapped up, right? Oh, for but for last, but yeah. for last year, you mean? Yeah, or just in general? Yeah, like how do they? How does that count towards it? Because it's they must do it off the shadow leaderboard, surely. FedEx than, Cup, you know, board. Yeah, but it's all. It's a good question because all money, it's all right. It's all money, and I. I don't know. So I don't know it, how they... it wouldn't count in either year, right? So the 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 picks the the qualification has already ended now. So twenty twenty three tour championship won't count right. for anything, and regular events not in the year oh, of yeah. the qualification don't count for anything, anyways. So gotcha. That's right. I th- I think what what is I mean one pushback on on that point, Sally, is like Phil in twenty one winning the PGA and then didn't didn't make yeah. it onto the onto the team, right? And I think Well as the PGA well, the PGA champion hasn't made it this time either. You know how bad you have to play to not to the winner major and not make the team when you have Yeah. <laughs> Even for well, well, I mean, Brooke, live. Yeah. Brooks says Brooks has a slight or, caveat. Yeah, I'm talking Phil. Yeah. Yeah. But Phil was like the equivalent of Brooks who didn't play a PGA tour event and Phil was playing them, right? And yeah, yeah. Still didn't qualify. But I think where they got sideways this year is they they implemented this system and then all the purses like if if this was a regular year lucas glover would still be like 20 first right because you take the memphis money not to bring memphis into this but you take the memphis money and like the 3.6 that he earned there and it it just it wouldn't be as big of a thing so that they have to like I don't know. You you can't base it on things that can change. At some point though, we can't optimize it to the point of like, hey, it's you know, it's the 12 guys that are part of the cool kids club and play in these every single year, and we're gonna put together this franchise basically, right? It because does feel like there is already a bit of that, doesn't there? there? There's a kind of his face doesn't fit kind of and and I think you know, so you look at somebody like who's had an exceptional season, somebody like Keegan Bradley. Is probably going to miss out because he's just not. He hasn't been part of the last couple of teams. His his face doesn't fit in the same way that JT's does. And I think Keegan gets crowned a little bit. Where like if you go back and like look at his two Ryder Cups, like he hasn't exactly like lit the world on fire. I know he and Phil had all the theatrics and shit. But in like, the first two days at Madonna, yeah, and like yeah. all the suitcase bullshit. But like you, like set all that aside and just like. I don't think these guys want Keegan on the team. He's a phenomenal driver of the golf ball. Like he would probably fit in well. And I don't know what we do with Sam Burns. Well, so a question I would have, uh, it feels like there's still a lot of sentiment online of we're making the same mistakes we've always made. The, the, the charity captains picks the blah, blah, blah. I kind of want to flip that on its head to say like, hasn't the laugh all you want at the name task force haven't they earned a little bit of the benefit of the doubt at this point? I mean, they, they implemented this yeah. in 2015. They won every president's cup since then they've won two of three Ryder cups. I know, but they're five and six and one since then in team events. And they just coming off the the biggest Ryder cup beatdown in history uh, since the uh, Europe has been fully involved. How, how in much how, like how much of that do you think is because of the task force or how much is in spite of the task force? I think because I, so people misrepresent what the task force is or was, it was a reaction to like, all right, Tom Watson came in and blew everything up and said, here's how we're going to do it. And they said, we're not doing that anymore. We're going to keep the same captains in rotation. We're going to have a system. We're going to have the same statistical models. Like Padraig Harrington after the last, after whistling straights, like 
almost concerningly say the U.S. has copied everything Europe has done felt like a pretty seminal moment to me of like, dude, they've caught up on all the archaic stuff that they used to do where they would auto put Phil on the team. And it seems like they actually have a decent system in place, some decent continuity and a decent plan for keeping team chemistry uh, a factor in this. And I, I, we'll find out. We'll find out in a few weeks. But, but I think that's my point. That's my kind of my point that they, it's it's nothing to do with the task force, that there just happens to be a generation now of American players who are all absolute studs who all get on with each other. Like that's nothing to do with the task force, that people are happy in each other's company these days, that you don't have those two characters, that you don't have Tiger and Phil, those two alpha males sucking all the energy out of the team room. JT's probably the closest you've got to that now, but he's still like a hugely popular team member. That's nothing really to do with the task force. And, you know, I, I said, you know, you look back in 2006, and the team's been made up of Brett Wetterick and Vaughn Taylor and JJ Henry. You don't have those passengers in the team anymore. You're now talking about leaving off the likes of Keegan Bradley and Sam Burns. I mean, they've got so many good golfers, and that has nothing to do with a task force. That's just I think the, luck. The. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle, right? I think both things are factors. I think right? the, the putting power back in the players in terms of their investment in the team, like what happened at Whistling Straits from my understanding is like the, the players that were already on that team had a pretty decent saying as to who, who filled out the rest of that team. Like that's a factor of, of the team chemistry factor that I've kind of dismissed a lot in up until like 2018. I dismissed a lot of that to say like team chemistry is going to matter for how comfortable you feel in the moment uh in, in performing right a huge question i've always had is like how can you take this huge group of talent the u.s always brings over and they play so shitty and it's if you have levels of discomfort and whatever that might be brooks talked a lot about that about like dude i don't get my naps in or like i if i have to go to the course at 5 a.m when i'm not playing in the morning why would i have to do like why would i need to do that felt like whistling straights they're kind of like dude do what you need to do like whatever you need to do let's accommodate that that feels like putting some power back into the players that didn't exist in 2014 yeah and actually and just further that point Solly, i'd say that's something that that is something that zinger did in 2008 yeah. as well which for for whatever reason Corey pavin in 2010 out. and and davis love in 2012 and especially tom watson in 2014 decided to move away from that yeah i know you you did that pod with zinger a while ago where basically those players decided to get to choose the third member of their pod or the fourth member of their pod. I can't remember what it was. So look, if it comes down to that, if it comes down to the guys that are already on the team, kind of get a say in who the picks are, then maybe that is something that works a lot in JT's favor. I Like somebody that I think we're underestimating. I think it's a massive, massive feather in, in the United States cap. That's Homa. Like between how he drives the ball, his iron play, he's raised the level of his putting his president's cup performance, all that. Cause it, on the flip side, like looking at Scheffler's president's cup performance at quail hollow on a course that should fit him extremely well. I know he was probably exhausted and he had that shit run at the tour championship and all that. But um, if I don't know, there's, I re- there's some, I remember flagging that both he and Burns played way better golf than their record showed at the president's. Yeah. Burns did. It, Burns did. I think Scotty dragged some, he had done. one Scotty had one really bad session. The first one. And since then I feel like I, I, I asked for some extra data on that one, and I got some good ones on that. So they, 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 well, the data didn't matter. <laughs> I was uh, going to say, yeah, yeah. Can't keep track. Tron, are you confused? It's one crazy, second, man. the data matters. The next second, ignore oh, the data. God. Are, My God, I know he's got baby brain. He's getting a three-hour sleep at the moment. But, I mean, I can't keep track that of whether the data thing. matters or not. That is a very real thing. I, I'm learning that as well. Um, 
So do we finish off what the US team is going to be then? I kind of felt we talked about it and then moved away from it. So who are the six picks now? Jordan Spieth, obviously, absolutely nailed on. Colin Morikawa, nailed on. Cameron Young. Ricky Fowler. Ricky Cam Fowler. Um, Brooks. Brooks. And JT. JT. And then and is that 12th spot? Is it JT or Keegan Bradley or Sam Burns? Or I think Tony Fino's lost his shot now, unless he wins in Atlanta. It, it kind of feel it kind of feels set in stone now a bit, regardless of what happens this week. I, I think that's I think that's right. I, I'm bummed that that uh, that Tony's been so bad since Mexico. He was he was awesome in Paris. He was he was he, be, really he, good. He would be awesome in Rome as well. And a great driver of the golf ball. Yeah. And I think I'm curious, like what if what I don't think Lucas Glover should be on this team, but what if he what if he does win the tour championship? What if Fina wins the tour championship? What if Russell Henley wins the tour championship. Starting those are all things. Bit. Well, I guess Lucas. Close. Those, yeah. those are all things that are probably not going to happen. But if they did, and then you, I, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't think this week doesn't matter at all. But I do agree that it, it's. It does feel like those are the twelve that are that they're going to take to. Look, if how many how many shots back is Tony Fino starting this week? Like, what is he <laughs> like, three under or something? Yeah, pretty impressive. Like he went out. Like if he manages to overhaul a seven-point deficit to Scotty Scheffler, a five-shot deficit to Victor Hovland, a four-shot deficit to Rory McIlroy, if he manages to beat all those guys and win the Tour Championship, that's a big. You can't not pick me, ZJ, to the captain, isn't it? But I just don't see it happening. It would. It would come from nowhere. I. I don't know. I'm very much in the camp of like either. Either he's your guy right now, and one week shouldn't. One week, a month right. in advance shouldn't change anything. He either is your everything or God. And this is kind of, look, I understand why there's been the Lucas Glover debate, but, you know, and I'm really pleased that the guy's had this, like, rejuvenation in his career. He's sorted out a big part of his game that was just, like, must have been infuriating for such a long time for him. But just because he plays well in back-to-back weeks, one week, by the way, in which a week in, in which he's not up against any of the big names at all, okay, then the next week, okay, obviously all those big names are there and, and he went out and beat them fair and square. But just because he's had 10 exceptional days does not mean he's going to be playing exceptionally well a month from now. And he's not a generational talent like a lot of the guys that he would be in conversation with for that 12th spot. And, you know, and I know that you kind of have given me stick for this in the past, Solly, of just there's a temptation to always say, oh, he's won a tournament. He must be in the Ryder Cup conversation. And we overvalue wins. And it's probably something that, you look at somebody, for example, like Colin Morikawa, who hasn't won all season, but has been consistently excellent. But where our judgment of him is kind of clouded because he hasn't got that W. And then you look at somebody like Lucas Glover. Okay, he's got back-to-back wins. Is he playing as well as Colin Morikawa? Probably not. Is he playing as well as Scotty Scheffler, who hasn't won a tournament since March? Definitely not. So, you know, we, we overvalue wins, which I know I kind of, I, it's a bit that I kind of play up to, you know, just to wind you up. But but even that, but I think that's that's the case to Lucas Glover, isn't it? Even that, the question of like, how does all that correlate to your performance in the Ryder Cup? I don't think we have an exactly. answer to. Like, I, I it's not it's not simple, right? I know who I'd rather take to battle. Like, I would rather take a Morikawa, who is this, like, this level of talent is just going to stay pretty steady no matter what than hoping for a peak week from somebody. But I, more cow might go 0 4. Like, we don't know what's going to happen. And yep. it's not even like you know, I've ridden really hard for JT's record. And it's not like, you know, guys that have great records haven't had bad Ryder Cups as well. Poulter, example, Sergio's had a bad Ryder Cup. And he's like the best European Ryder Cup R- ever. Rory, Rory in Paris. Rory's you overall know, he, record's not very easy. 500. Yeah. Like, he is. Well, 500 is actually a pretty 
decent not record for Rory's in the talent. I mean, come on. Okay, well, it, it, remind me of Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson's record. Bad records. Cup. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, so that's but that's kind of the point, isn't it? That it just everything goes out the window. Yeah. And you just you know, a year ago Scott Scheffler would have been the number one player on that Presidents Cup team and was not great, even though you say he was. Scott. Scott. I mean, I think it's time when you get in your forties to be Scott rather than Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Lud- yeah, Ludwig and Scotty both in their forties. It's yeah. incredible. I like. I'm gonna be. I may not watch the Ryder Cup if Ludwig <laughs> is not on the team. I, he's got like a on. hunger strike. He's got to be on, right? <laughs> he's got to be on. People thought I was fucking crazy when I was sitting in the RV and. You yeah, see, yeah, no, you see. When he goes three and zero, I'll let you say that, right? All right, we 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 get, we don't even know if he's on the no, team just to, yet. Just to be on the team, though. Even to be in the conversation, people said you're a moron. You're you're out over your yeah. Screen. Look, I'll hold my hands up. I, mean, I, I thought you were a bit of a moron twelve months ago when you, were, when you were saying that this amateur should be in the Ryder Cup team. But I agree with you now. Tron, who do you want an apology from? All of us who on Twitter, like who? Where's where's? I, I want like a formal, for? formal, heartfelt apology from Sally for just front running all this and getting so far ahead of it and being like, yeah, like you guys are fucked for the next ten years. Like you might be. Europe has no. If Europe doesn't win this one, if Europe doesn't win this one, if Europe doesn't win this one, I think there's cause for concern. Would you agree with yeah. that, Jamie? It will have mean we've lost a whole one Ryder Cup in a row in European soil yet. So yeah, it'll mean you've lost three out of four, and then you're going to Beth Page next, probably with yeah. Tiger as captain, if I were to guess. And I mean, will Tiger be a good captain? I don't know. You know uh, look, like, the thing is, look, the thing is, like on a serious note. You just don't know. I, I mean, you could not have predicted that two years ago after Whistling Straits that within a year, Matt Fitzpatrick was going to be a major champion, that a lot of these players' floors were just going to rise to such an extent. And you just don't know how what the next, what was going to be, what going to happen two years down the line. I think it's, look, obviously, I think it's becoming increasingly difficult to ride Ryder Cups on, on yeah. foreign soil. But um that's what I'm worried. Yeah, I, about. I'm worried I, I, about. I agree it that it's got holding serve. I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a really close one this time. I'm worried that it, we're just going to keep holding serve for a long time. And I don't. I don't mean that. I. I, I don't know. From a course setup, does the Ryder Cup need a U.S. victory? I don't think it needs it because I think it's still amazing and we still get hyped up about it regardless. But does it need somebody to win a Ryder Cup on foreign soil? I think we need a close soon. one. And we need a close one either uh, way. Yes, I don't think it needs to yeah. be a win, but it's got to be a good one. I think one last. Well, there will probably be many other, but one last point on JT and and the differentiation between between picking. Uh, I just th- just thought of this, but like picking him versus, I think in the past when you took like somebody who hadn't qualified, you were taking a name, you were taking a Scott sort Hope. of like legacy figure, <laughs> yeah, and. I think with JT, people will look at it like that of like, oh, he's just in the club. He's just a name. He's a he's a major champ, whatever. And it's like, well, actually, he's like the sort of the soul of the team. And I think there's a I think yeah. there's a I think that matters. Like, I think there's a big point of differentiation there that people will freak out about and completely miss and say, like, oh, Lucas Glover is playing the best golf. of. It's like, do you want to bet the Ryder Cup on the fact that <laughs> Lucas Glover knows how to putt? Like probably not. I mean, good I just like I, I don't know. I I, I think. Can I ask you a I, question I on that a, front, Porter? Is JT the only guy that could play this poorly and make the team? Like, if Spieth was playing this poorly, does he make the team? Because he didn't. That is a good he question. He didn't at, at Royal Melbourne 
in 2019, they didn't take him, and he was playing poorly. Which I think is disgusting. I was riding for speed in that one. If you were, if you, you could check the tape on that one. But like the it, Lynx Master, I, I, I think a good comp <laughs> is 2018 when Thomas picked Sergio Garcia. He got pelters for that. Why on earth are you picking Sergio Garcia? He's in awful form, and he was vindicated a month later. So I think that's that's a good example because. JT kind of is in that Sergio bracket of one day I could see him being the record all-time point scorer for the US. Um, and it, it's a very good question. Like if other players were stinking the joint out to the extent JT is, would they have that much credit in the bank that they're almost guaranteed a pick? Like right or wrong, I, think, I don't think Morikawa would make the team at no. JT's, um, uh, you know, strokes gained or miscut level, you know? I, I Because I think JT, like Morikawa doesn't have that dog in him. Seemingly, right? Like when he's off, he's off. He's not like he's not the captain. That's, you know, like that's and, kind and, of what a, an underrated part of all of this. And I know we're talking about online discourse, which can be it's super messy this time of year, all the time. Discourse. This is better. This is a better discussion than Scheffler versus Kisner in 2021, which is you know we could we could frame some of the we could send some of those tweets to the Golf Hall of Fame. But there are external factors in all of this, I think. And uh, I don't know. I guess we, Jamie, let my, me ask my, you this: Is there is it a blessing in disguise that that like Sergio went to live? Like I know it's it's probably a downside that Peters went to live. Like that's a guy that would have been a great fit, good driver of the golf ball. But like, would Sergio have been guaranteed on this team had all the stuff not happened? Had he, yeah, had he stayed? With I don't know. Him? I mean, it did kind of look. I, I know that Sergio had a good points haul in Whistling Straits. A lot of that was fact, down to the fact that he had the best player in the world as his teammate, um, who kind of just dragged him along. I, I, I just kind of feel, regardless of the fact that they all play and live now, it two years ago felt for me like the end of the road for Westwood, Poulter, Garcia, that generation, all, you know, Keimer, McDowell, their kind of, the Stenson, their time had already passed. But that kind of felt like a sort of line in the sand anyway. I remember even feeling that on the on the even on the Sunday evening at Whistling Straits before any of this stuff with the Saudis was about to happen. Which which I see that with all those guys except for Sergio. Sergio seems like the yeah, one. Yeah, look, kind Sergio's of- an anomaly because you know his record speaks for itself. But you know, is he is he one of the twelve best European golfers at the moment? Absolutely not. Um, you know, I go back to the, the whole you know his presence in the team room this time around would be a distraction. There would be obvious questions about it. He has had falling out, falling outs with some of the people in there. He has not behaved very well over the last two years, but had all of that not happened, would he be in the conversation? Yeah, he would have to be because he's would, Sergio Bloody Garcia. It would have been like the equivalent of the JT conversation of like, even yeah, if he hadn't I, played well, right? Because but Sergio's, you know, 12 years, 14 years older than JT. So it's, it's not quite the same conversation. Because I think... I think the 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 thing about Sergio is like you know who doesn't want to face Sergio on Sunday in Europe in a Ryder Cup somebody like Wyndham Clark like that's a yeah. that's a nightmare like you'd rather face anybody than Ser- like Sergio on a Sunday in a Ryder Cup and I I think the same about JT like I don't think I think there are guys that are already like qualified on the team that European guys would rather play against than JT in a Ryder Cup. And I think it, I agree with you. Go real quick on the I think we're, we're making the mistake of thinking that 2017 Sergio Garcia is 2023 Sergio Garcia. And is he as scary a prospect now? No. Maybe not for five <sighs> matches, but maybe for, for one. I've, two, I'm going right? to fight you on that, Jamie. One of my strongest memories and takeaways from Whistling Straits was watching Rom and Sergio pairing 
watching how um i don't even want to call it team chemistry i think we can kind of conflate that with rah rah and getting along great and high-fiving but like watching games complement each other was it was like holy shit the best way to get something out of sergio it was the only hole in the game was sergio's putting right when they when it was um rom driving sergio iron rom putting it was like oh you're not beating this team and then like you might get a little gap here because sergio's not draining the putts after rom stuffs it but watching rom get so much out of sergio is like kind of where i'm at with speed and jt it's like dude we've we've seen this in many different forms of those two getting so much out of each other and that's what makes this event different it's what makes the stroke play stuff as much as i want to talk about the strokes game it's what makes that kind of get thrown out because we don't we can't measure that in at the 3m and you can't um you know and i think what bears that out is you look at space record on in sunday singles and yeah, it's terrible because sure. all of a sudden he doesn't have his body alongside him yeah i think i think J- jt and speed are capable or liable to shoot a 63 in best ball and like an 84 in alternate shot right now like the <laughs> the variance is not win. good they might win at 84 though they just like <laughs> they win all the time it's fucking sick um so anyways we started at jt and i think we're ending there but uh we have we have we have we have we finalized our European team? I think we have, haven't we? It Lud- it's Ludwig, it's Moronk, it's I guess the only Seth. the the only question mark is if Big Shot Bob gets gets overtaken. Yeah. That, still I still think that twelfth spot is interesting, and you know, obviously for obvious reasons, you're leaning towards Ludwig. I'm pretty sure that he's obviously a name pretty close to the top of Luke Donald's list, but I think there are others who are still in the conversation. <laughs> I mean, Ludwig like needs to go play well this week. Needs to, you know. I think, What's disappointing I think is really I think well I think week. there's a few guys who I would have loved to have seen on the team that haven't made the trip over for Czech and for Kron, the likes of Thomas Detry or Aaron Rye, even who um, you'd think maybe the only reason they're not making the trip over is they've already been categorically told, "Look, you're not on the team." But it would have been great to see one of those two guys try to come. You know, imagine winning in Switzerland next week and saying, "Don't pick me now, captain." I think I think the one thing I'm disappointed about is like we're we're deprived of seeing like Sergio versus Cantley. Sergio just like mega getting under Cantley's skin. You know, something like that. Or Cantley getting under Sergio's skin. I think Cantley will Cantley will get under a lot of people's skin. Usually this time of year I'm I'm like wait I've got spreadsheets going of all possible pairings. After having some conversations with some people close to the situation on how they get pairings done. I'm done trying to guess like the, the level of information, <laughs> level of information they have and like what they try to do and the simulations they run for making that stuff work. is like, Oh, they seem like they'd be a great pairing together. That does it. I can't, I, I, I'm at risk of sounding like a huge idiot, uh, as this goes, but I'm super curious what they do with Morikawa. Um, I, again, gut would say Morikawa and max. I have no idea if the numbers would check that out. They played together at the old, um, what's it called? The, what's the Mickey Mouse tournament sure. that they have in May. Yeah. Um, they played together there, didn't they? How'd they get on? Uh, I don't remember how. They, I, don't I don't think they were that. I don't think. I think it's going to be a slightly different environment. Um, so I don't. I just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Scheffler, no idea what they're going to do there. Um, it's fascinating. Ricky, what do you do with Ricky? Ricky Wyndham Clark. I don't know. It, it's. We'll get. We will have time. Ricky's to do kind of. You can stick Ricky out with anybody, can't you? I maybe. Who knows? Anything we missed? I know. I, I'm sent. You guys have got other things to do. I could talk Ryder Cup for. A lot longer than we have. Well, I'm sure we'll do plenty more. Are we are we are we squeezing one more in before the event itself? I think we have to, don't we? 
yeah. I think we have. I like post post picks, everything locked in. But I think pre event. I think we do that, and then we also like a Thursday night once the first pairings are out could be a really fun one. Sean, we can do it. We can do it um, from think a quarter scene together. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say like that one might be over by Saturday morning. The the Americans are gonna get their ass. I was gonna say TC. If Europe is down seven going into Sunday. Will you fly across the Atlantic to to see a possible comeback? Down seven? Uh, no, absolutely not. Okay, so just the open. Wait, wait, just wait, the open wait, wait. The the U.S. is down I'm sorry, seven. If Europe is down seven. Would you fly okay. across uh, to come, to come back? <laughs> no. Okay. no. So just, the, just listen. Just, when I go to when I go to Italy, it ain't to watch golf. <laughs> I'm making a Fleetwood comp here. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I have logistical concerns about Marco Simone and the roads getting in and out. Uh, I don't know how. That- but you're going to have a lovely electric beamer to cruise you about the place, aren't you? I have concerns for other people is what I was I was trying to get at. Right, okay. Uh, I, no, I don't know how that, all that's going to work because, man, it is out kind of in the middle of nowhere uh, with not a whole heck of a lot around it. It's some really cool spots up near like 12T where you look back and you can see like the the city center of Rome and uh, the rolling farm. Like it really does feel like Italy. There's a sick, um, like abandoned farmhouse behind the 13th hole that frames that hole really well. It's really cool. It's just the golf holes themselves are la, la catastrophe, uh, if you will. Do we think Blocky's going to gonna like get the call be to there. be a, a, late, he will definitely be there. a late call assistant captainship? Blocky will be like – skydiving in onto the first team with an American flag. <laughs> He'll be lighting the torch. He's delivering yeah. delivering the Ryder Cup to the victory ceremony. By He'll be with, you guys watch the Blocky Cribs episode or whatever it is, the thing that came out this week that, you know, seemingly hundreds of people have tagged me in or, or DM me. I missed, unfortunately missed that one, TC. Oh. I, I guarantee Blocky will be there. Yeah. He, yeah, he'll be He's with the... PJ of America's, like, mascot these days. Sure. He'll be... <laughs> He'll be with the 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 MJ that that crew. He'll be hanging yeah. with them. They're always yeah. they're always hanging out there. You're going right, MJ. You're going right, Porter. Oh yeah, just make yeah. sure. I'm actually leaving tomorrow uh, <laughs> to get over there. <laughs> You're having your scouting mission next week. Oh, I can't wait. I hope we get a close one. Uh, I don't want to cry again like I did in France. That was that was a tough scene. Um, but uh, yeah. Guys, this is so much fun to do. I cannot wait. We did, we got so many great questions. I think we've we've answered a lot of them without reading a lot of them off. I do apologize. I was struggling yeah. to get to them, but uh, a lot of great submissions. But I think we kind of covered it all. So, how have we managed to speak for an hour and forty minutes? It's the best of yeah, Every time done. we do one of these, yeah. I'm like, we're not going to have enough to talk about. But Sally, Sally <laughs> coming back to come back around, saying that the Euro team has a chance. I've been saying that saying since that May, the, like the first test. time we did. I, I no one is walking into this saying the U.S. is going to. Like whoop ass. No one. An hour of an hour and forty minutes of Sully saying the data matters. No, the data doesn't matter. No, but the data really yeah. matters. No, but ignore the data. Crazy. Yeah, I think every time we, I'm not even gonna address that. Every time we've made picks, I've gotten I've like dropped two points on the like I, we're getting closer and closer. I, I might just pick a tie at some point. Like they're just gonna tie and the US is gonna keep the That'd cup. Be interesting. The cup. That would stink. That would be Blo- Blocky retains the cup. <laughs> Blocky gets the cup if they tie. Blocky versus who for the playoff? That's what they should do. There should be uh, an emergency playoff. Who could be? Who could... But it's got to be Blocky versus Rory, hasn't it? Because you know, if Blocky yeah. had Rory's but length, Rory, then he'd be the best Blocky gets in the world. to play from where Rory drives it. I think that right. Yeah. That's how we decide the Ryder Cup. No, Rory and Blocky. They that would be a good foursomes team. 
really would. Blocky playing from Rory's drives. We already knew that that's the best player in the world. So. All right. That is officially a wrap on this Ryder Cup episode. Thank you to you all. These are so much fun. Thank you for listening. Uh, excited to see the captain's picks next week uh, for the U.S. side. And uh, we'll do it again soon, boys. Cheers. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most!